Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast. I'm Stetson. And I'm Gabe. In this episode of the podcast, we are answering listener questions ranging from what cameras to use, what wireless headphones are great, which direction phones are heading in, and an Apple Watch versus a Fitbit. You're saying ranging from, but I think you basically just covered the four basic questions that we're going to be answering. So whatever so we're going to be talking about those questions yeah okay people get the idea those will fill out the whole thing you know this is our first listener submitted questions episode uh we thank people for sending in those questions on twitter or instagram or going old school and sending them in through email i love how that's old school uh but pinch to zoom podcast at gmail.com if you have those questions or new school social media but before we get into those we're going to be talking about some quick news like always quick news quick news quick Alright, what's first? Starting off, we have the new Galaxy Watches. These are from Samsung. Uh, They actually just leaked right before their announcement. uh, Galaxy Watch Active, the Galaxy Fit and Fit E. And these are going to be announced alongside the Galaxy S10 later this week. Oh, good. So we can start talking about it now, right? All right. So the first thing that I want to think about is... So we're going to actually be talking about this in our bonus episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Bonus episode, people. Look for it coming out this Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to be doing these for any real big keynote releases coming up. Uh, But the Samsung one is going to be our first one. So, yeah, it should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Stay tuned and uh, look forward for that announcement. Yeah. All right. Next thing coming up is that Amazon is supposedly going to pay negative 1% taxes for 2018. Wait a minute, Gabe. What what does this mean? Are we paying Amazon right now? Well, I know Amazon's been in the news a lot. They just recently uh, decided not to actually build a new headquarters in New York City. You know, so they've been having a lot of bad press, but... I think people should keep this in mind while they're filing their taxes and paying their taxes because it is that time of year. Basically, a lot of corporations do this. You know, Google does it. Apple does it. We've heard that they pay, you know, less than the 21% uh, business corporate tax that is out there. But supposedly through, I don't know, I'm not an accounting major or whatever. Supposedly through all this magic and whatever, they are paying negative 1% effectively because they are getting a rebate of about $159 million. So, yeah. Wow. This is a company that made like $11.2 billion in 2018. Yeah, I can really see how they could, they need that extra money yeah. coming in. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I I like a lot of the things that Amazon offers, but it's stuff like this that really makes me want to, you know, find smaller companies, maybe not be an Amazon Prime member, member you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can respect them from a business perspective. Like, it's kind of amazing they were able to achieve this, but it kind of shows, like, their company ethics. They're more about making money. That's how I perceive this, as yeah. opposed to really doing good and bringing a positive change in the world. Um, so it's it's kind of impressive, but at the same time, I wish they could be... I mean, I think it's also, though, kind of hard if you're them. And I mean, I know what they're probably saying is, hey, everyone else is doing it. Yeah. So I think ultimately this comes down to more the government side of possibly fixing some of the loopholes that allow like this to happen right especially with companies as large as amazon with uh, so much revenue yeah exactly uh moving on we have uh apple they have a news event scheduled for march 25th yeah this is uh big news, news. and yeah, it's news news because it's about the news supposedly they're going to be launching their new news service uh there's rumors even they might be launching their video service then but i've been hearing they don't want that to overshadow you know, it's going to be like a Netflix type thing. 
and that might overshadow their new service so they might push that till possibly right if they want the April. the new service to be the real focus of the event um of course we have airpod 2 uh those are still there um we're now seeing a possible str- a spring debut of these headphones with a new black color and a new wireless charging case and another possible airpods 3 i would say in the fall with yeah. new internals and new features um, and this could have the new biometric capabilities and things like that. Yeah, there's honestly, I think we're going to have to stop putting in all these rumors about Apple because people love Apple, like people who are Apple fanboys. There's As soon as they release the new, like the last AirPods, there was rumors of the next AirPods, you know, there's always a rumor mill of what's coming up next. So I think we'll just keep them to more confirmed leaks in the future. But yeah, supposedly they don't really know what is going to be released alongside this news event it's if it's going to be any hardware at all you know there are supposedly in the works again rumors i hate talking about rumors but you know there's ipads new ipads cheaper ipads coming up possibly a new ipod touch the air power the wireless charging case case for the airpods so there's a lot of stuff possibly coming and then of course you got your mac lineup all that will be coming in this spring to like early summer who knows when, but yeah, we'll be talking about it then. Um, I'm really looking forward to when this event happens. We can kind of put these rumors to rest. Yeah, right. It's honestly, it gets a little too much. I'm My head's hurting now talking about it so much. But the interesting thing about this news event is that supposedly they've been having an issue because they want to be able to take a 50% cut of the subscription right off the top. And for, you know, a lot of these like New York Times or Washington Post or whatever, like that's their revenue source so how can you like yeah it's kind of scary to these publishers and you know these uh, big newspapers or magazines instantly your subscription you know whatever x it used to cost you're gonna have to probably be selling that through the same for the same price through apple but then they're just gonna take a 50 percent cut right i i mean do you think apple's user base would be large enough to support something like this i mean it might be large enough but i just think apple's i mean they've got to be real i mean i don't know the, the tech motto is kind of go fast and break stuff, you know, and just go for innovation at the sake of innovation. But really, I mean, you got to look at what it's going to do to like journalism as a whole is if you're all of a sudden underpricing it and, you know, just sending less money that way. Mm, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah. All right. And the last thing in quick news, quick news, quick news. I haven't done that this time, so I feel kind of bad. You know, I know all our fans are looking for it, uh, is not a rumor. It was the release of the Canon EOS RP mirrorless camera, which is their follow-up, or not follow-up, their second entry into their full-frame mirrorless lineup and is a cheaper version, essentially, of the EOS R. And yeah, I think this starts at, I think, around 1200 Yeah, I think it's, yeah, 1300 1399 $1,299. $1, uh, this is full-frame camera. It's got a few interesting caveats, which is, as you would expect from Canon, the biggest one being a 1.7 times crop factor. Yeah. When you're shooting in 4K. Well, it it does shoot 4K, so that's that's right off the bat. That's good. It has a 26 megapixel sensor. Uh, it uses the new RF lenses. You know, it looks really nice. It has a touch screen, so there's a lot of good things about it. But yeah, that 1.7 uh, crop factor, which basically means it's an ASPC, APS-C. There we go. It is like an APS-C camera which is, you know, your Rebel T4i, your Nikon 3400, uh, and you're paying that much money for it. So I think this is more geared toward photographers, possibly. I, I would agree with that. And, you know, it's definitely unfortunate for video people. You know, you buy a full-frame camera for that bokeh, that look, 
the, the low light the low light performance and yeah. just that crop factor kind of negates all of those things i will say canon does have amazing touch screens and great color and you know i'm sure yeah. for people looking for a great camera this can deliver excellent photos for video people though i want to go back to the 4k it only goes well, the, up to 25 the frames thing i would second. also wonder is at this point would it be better to shoot on that camera 1080 with the full frame or shoot 4K, but with that crop factor. I, I think with this, you'd, you'd have to go 1080, I would say. Yeah, which is a shame because, I mean, more and more 4K is becoming something that really people like to have as an option or at least future-proofing your content. It's That's also like a weird feature, though, because the 1080 would be so wide, yeah. and then the 4K would be cropped in, and then you can crop in on the 4K footage. So I guess it is kind of a nice thing, possibly, but, you know, I honestly, this made me really think about which you know which person or which manufacturer to go to you know you have nikon now sony of course they were the they were the original the ogs in the mirrorless full frame market you still have panasonic just getting into it with the s1r and the s1 and then canon i honestly think that nikon now this is a bit of a hot take but Ooh. nikon might be the best mirrorless full frame camera maker is for videos for videos yeah wow now, this is odd because nikon usually is your go-to for photographers. They're they're not well known for video at all. In fact, people actually say, all right, Nikon for photo, if you want to do video, Canon's yeah. typically where you look for. Or, or now Sony. Sony yeah. has really taken a huge leap forward in that. But um, what this is, I, I personally, I, uh, not personally, uh, purposely did not put this in the notes that we're going from for this episode, because uh, I wanted to surprise you with it. But the Canon, or right after Canon announced the EOS RP, Nikon announced, that they're going to be updating their Z6 and Z7 cameras so that you could have 12-bit raw video coming out and using a you know an Atmos recording like a Ninja device, you can then be recording 12-bit raw video 4K. That's amazing. Right onto that device. That's amazing. Um, so that's pretty incredible. And I looked up the pricing. You know, it's the Z6 is their cheapest one for full frame. It's around two thousand dollars. Uh, so you get a Ninja with an SSD. Uh, storage device that's around 3500 so for 3500 dollars you can have a 4k thing that's recording 4k camera that's recording uh you know 12-bit raw video which is pretty incredible yeah that's unbelievable and then also to mention uh that you have the a7 III, right i do have the a7 III, and i think it has a crop factor right on yeah it does have a crop factor and this is the most uh curious thing it yeah. only has a crop factor when you're recording at 4k 30 frames per second which is what I record at. I think that's probably right because the processor can't handle uh, those extra six yeah. frames per second. It must be it's something like that. Um, but with twenty-four, it's fine. Twenty-five, it's fine. It's only when you. So do the 30. thing is, I want to now my other argument: Nikon, no crop factor, and they do four K sixty. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, so I guess I'm switching to Nikon like, out of the blue. What? It's, I I hadn't really been paying much attention to it, but. Honestly, I think I'd probably put Nikon ahead for video, then Sony, then probably Panasonic, and last but not least, I mean, as far as resolution goes and just specs, Canon really, you know, are they even in the market of full-frame video because none of their cameras record full-frame 4K video. And yeah. and not to mention yeah. their dual pixel autofocus. Yeah. Some, one of the best features of owning a Canon yeah. camera, what, it doesn't work. What are they even doing is like, what I want to know. What? Oh my gosh, Canon! If you're listening to this, in fact, the people who are listening to this, yeah, Canon, start tweeting at Canon, fix this, yeah, and telling them to get your stuff happen. together. 
make it happen um and then you can't even record at 30 frames per second on the on the new canon camera which is that's ridiculous i mean you can survive if you know if whatever you know use that use a 30 frame per second editing timeline and just have the computer generate in between frames if you like for web video it's fine but if you're really getting serious about it and you want to shoot 30 fps yeah what are we doing what are we doing what is canon doing i'm gonna have to check out nikon yeah i think that's ultimately the takeaway from this news story and that was of course quick news quick news quick news because it's such a quick segment and yeah that that wraps up our quick news segment now we're moving on to our listener questions Questions. yeah drum roll our first what's our first question we have coming up first of all time on the podcast this is such a big deal are you ready for it what is it it's all right so are we ready for this question i cannot wait i'm so excited stetson get it started okay this let's qu- go with this question this, oh, qu- this is the first question do you uh, do, the, do our listeners even realize that this is the first question that we have users listeners submitted on the podcast so this is a big deal i'm i'm sure you're just so excited do you, for do it do you want the question yeah or not we're get... ready for it we're ready for it go okay so this... start with this question and get it to me what are you waiting for Seth? okay <laughs> all right this question comes <laughs> from phil who direct messaged us on instagram yeah any suggestions for going to be a freshman in college, likes movies and pics, loves my canon mark, but she's not taking... Wait a minute, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> Phil? Uh, all right, I think I, I responded and got some follow-up things. I think this is what he meant, is this is for his daughter who's going to college. He has a canon, uh, I'm whatever, something, 5D mark something, or, you know, I don't know. But anyways, the, the information is basically she's looking for something. Uh, this is his daughter that she can use in college. Other than her iPhone, she has an iPhone, uh, and she's not a photography major, so she doesn't need like a DSLR or anything. But she wants something that's small enough so she can, you know, put it in her purse, put it in her backpack, easily take with her. But is you know better than her iPhone, uh, but also has Wi-Fi, so she can take a picture, put it to her iPhone over Wi-Fi, and then post it to her social media. Uh, so that that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Phil, for your daughter going into college, I think I would recommend considering. Uh, well, a, what do we look for a camera? You know that because it's most people can get by. It's that weird space where like iPhones or you know smartphones does a lot of the daily like point and shoot stuff, but point and shoots kind of still have a purpose possibly. And I think that's actually what I would recommend here. If you want something that's small enough to fit in a purse and be more yeah. portable that you actually are going to take with you, I yeah. think point and shoot is the way to go. You can, of course, get much better shots uh, and more creative shots when you have a full DSLR with a lens. But I think uh, for this person, uh, considering a point and shoot is is the way to go. Yeah, well, they, they, you know, there's that saying, it's not the camera you have, but the camera you have with you. So, yeah, she could go out there and get, you know, a medium format camera that, you know, weighs two, like, you know, with a whole setup with a tripod weighs like, you know, 30 pounds, costs a ton of money. Uh, but, yeah, if you can only, you know, leave that in the studio or whatever then that's not going to help taking a picture with your friends while you're out hiking. Yeah, it's not worth it. Uh, so, yeah, I think he was saying he wanted to spend, like, somewhere from 5 to, like, $800. So I was thinking, uh, for one, with point-and-shoot, you definitely want to go with a one-inch sensor. You know, that's going to give you right away an advantage over your smartphone because smartphones, due to their, you know, size and trying to keep them small and thin, they're usually restricted to pretty small sensors. I mean, they, they do amazing stuff with them, but yeah, they're pretty small. And if you were to zoom in on a smartphone image, it, it really loses quality very quickly. Yeah. So uh, what what's your number one recommendation? 
Um, well, actually, before we get to that, I was just going to say the other things I was looking for okay. before I, uh, when I was trying to figure out what cameras would be good. Uh, yeah, I was saying decent actually having optical zoom. I wouldn't say having something necessarily a crazy zoom is a big plus because you often lose a lot of quality uh, when you get you know some of those super zoom cameras. Like I was just recently testing the SX70HS from Canon. It's a nice camera, but yeah, you lose a lot of quality in that super zoom. So I was thinking, you know, maybe 5x, 10x zoom is decent. Uh, also having a viewfinder, which is, you know, not all cameras have that. That's That would be a, you know, if you're looking to do more like traditional photography. That's always like a fun thing uh, to have. Yeah. And manual controls is the last thing, because that's something you don't really have on your iPhone most of the time unless you, you know. You can get an app for that. But, but... I'm, I'm oh, sorry, I'll specify physical manual controls so like yeah, having a yeah. ring around the lens that you can turn to you know up increase your aperture or, or adjust something yeah exactly so yeah my first um my first recommendation was the canon g5x uh it's a 700 dollars camera so a little more pricey than most point and shoots but it has 20 megapixels uh 4.2 x zoom a three inch touchscreen, uh, only 1080p 60 fps video but it has a nice uh f 1.8 aperture so you get a really good wide aperture ultimately like i just think this camera looks nice it has a lot of physical controls on the body um you know with with dials for doing the you know your iso your shutter your aperture and right around the lens as well so yeah it's a well-made camera i've tried it out at best buys and stuff like that that would be my first recommendation probably i think going on a similar note i would recommend the canon powershot g7x mark ii yeah that one's a little cheaper uh, coming in at six hundred fifty dollars, yeah. this has a twenty point one megapixel pixel CMOS sensor. Yeah. Um, it has the four point two times optical zoom, um, with a focal or excuse me, an aperture of one eight to two eight. Yeah. And um, again, it has that similar ten eighty p at sixty video limitation, but it sounds like this is for photography. And yeah, this is. This is a the the G5X and the G7X Mark II are very similar. I think the main difference the G5X has a little pop up viewfinder, uh, it's a little more geared towards like having manual controls and trying to be old school. But I definitely think Canon has a lot of actually in this in this area, which is surprising. I, I you know I'm not often looking for point and shoots, but they do have a lot of good point and shoots. Nikon not really much there. Sony has their you know. I, was that in one of yours? That's, you had? Yeah, I actually recommended uh, the Sony RX100, and they have quite a different well, number of... Well, they have of, very different generations, yeah. Yeah, so I would say if you're looking more on a budget, you could go back to the Mark III. I, I was seeing this for $648. Uh, again, a 20.1 megapixel sensor. It has a shorter 24 to 70 millimeter range when compared to the G7X. But it also has Wi-Fi, so you can control it with your phone, a great viewfinder, and great manual controls on the outside of the body, um, something nice and tactile you can use. Yeah, I mean, I the only thing I would think there is I really think Sony's point-and-shoot cameras are better for video, and also, like, the newer ones, you know, you're going to get that. That's the best quality you're going to get. So I was kind of thinking stay away from there because stay away from those complicated menus and stuff. Oh, it's so true. They're... A nightmare to navigate. You don't know what anything means. And I will say Canon is so much more intuitive and I found it and nice uh, colors. Yeah, much easier to get started with and the colors yeah. are great. The so, other one I had, uh, which the other company I didn't mention was Panasonic. I actually have one of their point and shoots. Oh really? I really actually like their menu system, you know, time lapses and stuff like that are easy. Uh the camera feels well made and not cheap. So I had the 
I this isn't the one I own, but I, this is the one their newer one that I recommend is the Panasonic Lumix DCZS two hundred. That's an easy name. <laughs> that, to that's a fun name right yeah. there. Yeah, but it does have twenty point one megapixels. Uh, it has four K thirty video. It has five axis stabilization, fifteen x zoom. So that's like that's really good. Really good zoom. Uh, three inch touchscreen, but it actually only has an f. 3.3 mm. uh, aperture and actually it goes up to like f.8 once you zoom in that full way so ultimately i think yeah either one of the canon the canon g7x mark ii or the g5x i think those are going to be the better options for um for this use case yeah so thank you phil hopefully that helps your daughter uh getting a camera for her and ha- hopefully she has a fun time in college and captures some good memories with it absolutely moving on we have a question from zach a longtime listener and friend how do you feel about the direction of phone design? It seems the pursuit of a bezel-less phone has almost come to an end. So what's next? And have we gone too far already? I mean, notches, pinholes, sliding cameras. Are we compromising on durability for a superficial cause? Thank you, Zach, for the question. Yep. Um, and I would say right off the bat, yes, we are compromising durability for a superficial cause, uh, especially in terms of adding movable components to smartphones. Well, the sliding cameras are pretty, that's a pretty niche market. It is niche, but in terms of going bezel-less, I think uh, what we're probably going to see on Wednesday from Samsung with that punch-out camera hole, yeah. I think that's going to be the ideal solution in some regards where we don't have any moving components and we can keep that water resistance we can keep that uh, better design, more longevity, fewer things to break. Um, and I just don't know where it'll go from there. Like, we have to have a camera. I mean, we need... can, they, can they figure out a way? The question is to put a screen over it. Yeah, so you can't see it. Like, and then to like... put actually pixels and then somehow when you go to take the picture that those pixels, you know, are turn off, turn off using the app. Like That would be really cool. And, and we've seen under screen fingerprint readers. Yeah. So I think the technology is getting close to where we may actually be able to put a camera underneath the display. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's the only place they could really go from here. I don't know what else they could do. I mean, maybe the whole... What if the whole screen was your camera somehow? That'd be ridiculous. And, you, and like they had pixels that could act as, you know, an LCD, but could also act as like a sensor somehow. That would be bonkers. Um and but, that actually, actually, that might be how they do it. Like, what if they could have certain, like, in a certain area, those pixels would act as both a sensor if they were taking a picture, or they could act as, like, projecting information. I don't, I'm, granted, we're both, to say the least, we're not at all scientists at all in that technology field. Uh, so we're probably the least qualified to say this, but it's just, like, speculation on purely, like, a... Imagining the future. Yeah. And, you know, I do think when it comes to manufacturers they are designing the phone that's going to sell and the phone that looks the coolest that has that huge display that goes edge to edge that's what people are going to walk into the store see be amazed by and purchase um i think the bigger overall question for smartphones in terms of what direction they're heading in i actually see them heading into a space where they can replace your laptop and i think Hmm, samsung samsung's doing this with dex and you know i think so many people are running their businesses off their phones with email with web browsing and social media if if you know apple or or any other company is able to make 
a experience where you can basically turn your phone into a larger screen uh, where you can yeah. be more productive and get more done. I think we're at the point where the performance is there and we just need software optimizations and um, maybe some additional hardware to plug into to kind I of feel make like that happen. Hasn't that been the dream for the past like 10 years or so? I mean, I remember when Razer had... Uh, you know the you know you'd slot their phone into the computer and then it like as a trackpad yeah or something yeah. right well no I feel that that's the one they have now but I mean like five years six years ago they had one where you'd you know you slot it in it or maybe it was Motorola and it'd power your whole computer or laptop so I feel like that's a good goal but I think honestly it'd probably be more of the foldable phones is what where we might go you know where you can have a small display and then you fold it out you just rolled your eyes um, <laughs> I think this is an awful that. idea. Yeah, there's I mean, and you run into the problem with app developers having to optimize their mobile applications for suddenly so many different screen sizes. And the yeah, but don't you have that with plugging it into a laptop or something? Yeah, I guess you also have that. But you have like tablet applications. So, yeah. you know, I feel like there could be some cross platform compatibility there. Um, hmm. I, I think that's where phones are headed. We'll see if I'm right or if I'm wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, in in terms betting of on that firstborn child, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much I would bet. Yeah, the experience would definitely take a hit in some regards. Shave your head if it, if it doesn't. Oh my god! When do we when crazy. do we when do we mark the like the not happening by or you know? Oh yeah. Like uh, what's your timeline for this? Twenty seventy eight. Oh, okay, I think you're covered. Oh uh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, someone comes back. You're still alive, then, and when someone, if someone, one of our listeners comes to you, you didn't say that this was gonna, you know, this was gonna happen. It did not happen. You owe me whatever. Whatever it was. By then, we're no longer using money. Money is just like not even a thing. We don't. We we trade it all in uh, kitty cat hearts. Yep, like, that's, a, that's new a new currency. Currency. You didn't see that. How much yeah. are you betting on that, Gabe? I'm betting 45 kitty cat hearts. Okay, that's the equivalent today to 2.2 billion. So wow, that's I'm a going lot. All in. <laughs> oh boy, I'm really nervous. Yikes. I call um, my family. And and I guess the other thing with phones is we have this notch trend right now. Gabe, how do you how do you feel about well, the I notch? have an I have a notched phone. Yes, you do. I'm gonna come out and just say it. I I own a notched phone. <laughs> that's that's very brave of me. But yeah, no, a lot of people obviously notched phones Apple put it as like a all right, we gotta do this and then it came became a very quickly like a feature. It's a design trend. Yeah. Everyone's like, this is associated with a premium quality device, yeah. so we got to put it in our phone. So I think that, I mean, I, I've gotten used to it. it. It takes a little bit getting used to, but I really think the thing that ultimately that is nice is, you know, that it you don't have that big top of the forehead on your phone. I Yeah, I think um, really it's a questionable design decision where you have information at the top, their time, your date, notifications... They got to go somewhere. If there was no notch, they'd be taking up space in the status bar in your phone. So if you can make a notch and move them up, it seems like you're getting more screen real estate, and that's great. Yeah. But what we're seeing now, uh, or what we're likely going to see on Wednesday from Samsung, is if you have a punch-out camera, suddenly your status bar is bigger, but you're not actually getting more real estate. I don't know. It's an interesting design trend. I think they're doing it for the looks, not necessarily for additional functionality or features or even a better user well, experience. Well, you are gaining more pixels, I think, right? In well, screen, yeah, but technically if, more real estate. If you can't use it, maybe it's good for watching videos. I think that's like, because, yeah, my thing is when, you know, when you're watching a video on YouTube, you can do that, like, swipe or pinch to, pinch to you, zoom. You, you, yeah, there, it, <laughs> there we go. Oh, oh that, that I meant to do that, totally. Uh, yeah, you pinch to zoom it so it fills the full screen. 
but I find out that I I really don't use that much. I hate that because it yeah it cuts off just enough on the like the left side or the right side whatever way you have your phone oriented the top of the phone, and it just notches into that like usually it's like something important or even if it's not it just is annoying as it, a video producer. I I absolutely agree with that. Like yeah. having that notch or anything on the phone covering content and blocking yeah. it, I strongly dislike that. Yeah. So I think yeah. Unless camera makers start, or there's a new video format that comes out that has a notch built into the one side of the video. Oh my god, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. That's um, ultimately, yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's just, it's a, it's a period in, de, in the design. Ultimately, this whole thing, I, we're trying to go to figure out what are we going to do with the camera because we ultimately the the goal, you know, like the the ultimate holding up the holy grail is a screen that covers the whole phone. Okay, yep. no edge. And then somehow there's a camera there, a fingerprint reader, and a face scanner. And then, you know, also it uh, possibly when you turn off the screen, you can see through it so it's clear. That would be cool. Okay, so, now we're just getting into like a sci-fi yeah. movie. But I mean, that's what that we sci-fi does kind of predict the future. So I'm saying that's kind of what we're going for. I, I do think we're going towards the edge to edge. I also think the notch has a purpose. And what's nice about having a centered notch is the corner radius of the screen can physically match the corner radius of oh, the yeah. phone. And that's what Apple chose to do. And I think that's really nice. Um, also, if you go back, the LG V10 had a second display up top uh, for applications yeah. and stuff. And, you know, this kind of goes back to the functionality. Like, are we really gaining any more functionality? Uh, maybe we're getting a cooler design. And I think that that's what counts. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Zach, for your question. Uh, I'm going to read this one, okay? Because I haven't read one of these user submitted listener submit i always say user submitted you're not using you're listening to the podcast i use this podcast to actually uh i do my woodwork with it you know i hammer in those nails and then i you know saw the nails with the podcast that's how powerful this audio yeah, is yeah we have this yeah be careful there's going to be a two two second burst of such piercing audio that can literally shatter glass so be careful and it's not just stetson laughing every 20 <laughs> seconds <laughs> uh but yeah all right here we go this question was uh from a laurel uh, she emailed us at pinch to zoom podcast at gmail.com. Yep, all one word. Uh, and anyways, uh, sorry about that. She said, I want to know about the Apple Watch versus Fitbit. When I exercise, I want to know my heart rate, calories burned, etc. Do I really need an Apple Watch? And if not, which Fitbit should I use? I think this is a pretty common question, trying to decide between the Fitbit, Apple Watch. Obviously, there's other smart watches, smart bands, trackers out there. But these two are probably the most popular one. And she did mention that she is also an iPhone 8 user. So obviously that's why she's looking at an Apple Watch. And that she likes to run, uh, does spin class, enjoys yoga. And just, yeah, obviously wants a way to track her fitness. You know, I think I think uh, you know she's right in this question. Apple Watch and Fitbit are the big ones, especially for iPhone users. And you kind of have this like in-between space where Apple Watch is for iPhone users. Yeah. Um, and if you're a Samsung Galaxy user or Android users... I think Samsung's smartwatches are some of the most compelling right now, um, depending on what you're looking at. Yeah. But for fitness, it's, you know, Apple Watch, Fitbit, Garmin is sometimes thrown in there. Yeah, they're definitely Garmin's more for runners, I think. Um, yeah, but this is a really great question. And this is actually kind of perfect for us. I am an Apple Watch user and... I own a Fitbit and so, use yeah. it, not just own it. I, yeah, I just I'll leave it on my shelf. <laughs> it's framed. It. Yeah. Ah, my Fitbit. How are you doing today? Uh, Gabe, you want to you wanna talk about your Fitbit? Like what... Well, Why? I have, 
when I worked at Best Buy, uh, I really was a big proponent of Fitbits. And anytime anyone come, came in looking for a Fitbit, I would always take them and, you know, talk to them because uh, my dad has a Fitbit. And since we, uh, since we bought that for him, that was how we introduced him to Fitbits. He has become a very avid Fitbit user. Um, so much so that he actually now owns, I think, two Fitbits. He has, I think, the Elta HR uh, for when he... He didn't like that one, I think, because it can't track how many flights of stairs you climb because it doesn't have a barometer. But anyway, so he has that one. But he also then bought himself the Fitbit Versa, which is their kind of smartwatch thing that they have that can almost do kind of what an Apple Watch does, but not at all. It's, it's like a more affordable version of an Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. But what I think the Fitbit does very well is it's minimal. So for older people who don't want a ton of stuff on their, you know, wrist and stuff like that, and even for people our age, you know, who are looking for something that, you know, isn't going to have 5 billion pop-ups of notifications and, you know, maps and everything on their phone, on, on their watch, essentially. It's basically like your phone is on your wrist. Uh, that the Fitbit does that, you know, you can go with the Alta, the Charge 3, or the Versa, and it's fairly simple, fairly focused on fitness. And the biggest thing I think that it has over the Apple Watch is the community that you have in the app. Uh, it's very, I don't really participate much in it, but I know my dad does. You know, you can friend people on there or like, I don't know what it is exactly. They call it some form of that. And then they have like kind of challenges that you do. Like, for example, you can have like a marathon challenge and it will be like, who can walk, you know, 26.2 miles. So you're competing with people around the world, seeing who can like finish that marathon. So like, I don't know, it's a kind of, fun like fitness based community that you're also joining when you join uh when you get a fitbit i think so. that's awesome i i had no idea about the community and yeah that's definitely something the apple watch doesn't have um and you know battery life i think is another huge reason yeah. to consider see, I, don't, see I don't even mention that because i don't have an apple watch and i don't really think about battery life so i think that is a big thing that you bring that up how are let me ask you how frequently do you charge your fitbit i find i mean i only have the charge uh two charge hr2 uh, so I charge mine a little more frequently than the people who own the newer devices. I find maybe like every five days or so. Wow. Usually what I do is whenever I take a shower, I just throw it on the charger uh, and then that charges it enough for, you know, keeps it charged. So I don't have to worry about it. That's great. Um, I'm, I'm an Apple Watch user and really what got me, it's one of the most accurate fitness trackers and uh, I love the interface. I love having my notifications on my wrist. It makes it so easy to like quickly respond to something. Like I get a junk email, boom, archive. There's a button right there. Yeah. Get a text message, I can reply right on my wrist. I don't have to get the text message, read it, and then whip my phone out to actually reply to it. It's right there. Um, I love being able to customize the watch faces. And while the community isn't quite there yet, Apple Watch is really great for other iPhone users, and you can actually now have competitions. So, okay. for example, I started a competition uh, with my aunt. We would see, uh, it's, I think, percentage-based, like what percent you fill your activity ring or your move ring, yep. and um, you get points based on that. Of course, she's in corporate America, and that's a struggle. Yeah. And I'm a college student, like yeah. sprinting across campus late to class, yeah. so I had the clear advantage there. Um, but I, I really love the integrations it has with the phone and the experience Apple pro delivers. Battery life, I get two days on okay. my Apple Watch That's if I don't charge better it. Better than it's been for a while. I, I could charge it while taking a shower and yeah. it would probably be fine. I just charge it every night. Um, do you wear it you, so you don't wear it at night? I, I take mine off at night, yeah. Because they do. That's one thing that's nice about the Fitbit. Also, it does do sleep tracking. So if you wear it at night, you know, I get to see 
you know, a lot of times you'll be like, all right, yeah, I got eight hours of sleep. But then if you pull up the Fitbit app, sync it and look in there, you'll be like, oh, wait, hold on. You know, I was tossing and turning all this time. So actually of actual sleep and, you know, it breaks it down even to REM and stuff like that. But you can be like, yeah, I only got five hours. That's why I'm so tired. Uh, and so I think really Fitbit, they're still existing because they do the health tracking a lot better. And, you know, not people don't always want to spend as much money as an Apple Watch costs or have to really deal with an Apple Watch and all that entails being on their wrist. You know, I can definitely see that um, possibly being a distraction. Um, it is a larger device um, yeah. and or, you know, could conflict with a fashion statement or whatever. I will say that you could consider getting a gently used Apple Watch on Swappa. I love that website. I was seeing a Series 2 going you, for... I'm, I'm seriously thinking you're sponsored by them. I don't know how. Swappa, if you're out there, you should be sponsoring him for how much he's mentioned you literally on every episode. 168 so. <laughs> for a gently used Series 2 Apple Watch. But you can get... See, the thing is you can get a, a Fitbit Charge 3 for... What is it? 150 for new, I think. And then I'm pretty sure the Versa is like 180 or 190. I guess my point is um, if you are willing to buy used for Apple Watch, it can bring the price down. Yes. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, Fitbit, like undeniably the most affordable fitness tracker you can get. Yeah. Um. And really, it's that community and the app and the like, that's the thing you're also buying into. You know, you can even get the Fitbit uh, scale, the Aria, and track your weight. And if, you know, maybe everyone in your family has Fitbits, you can set up like different user profiles. So you step on it, it automatically will register who it is and send that weight to the cloud, which will sync up with your app so you can track your weight over time too. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Um, so I think it really depends where you are. Definitely, she is an iPhone user, so... I mean, she's looking in the right area with an Apple Watch, but I think possibly, you know, a Fitbit might be the better way to go, uh, at least to see, you know, if the good thing also is if you don't like it, you've only dropped, you know, this much money on it. Um, and then, you know, maybe down the road, then you get an Apple Watch if you see you want more yeah. features. I, I will say the Apple Watch, you can choose to turn off your notifications True. and have that be silenced and just use it for fitness tracking. And it works beautifully with Apple Health. But I think Apple Health can pull in the data from the Fitbit app as well. With the Fitbit, you also have the flexibility to switch platforms. If you're like, all right, I'm done with iPhone. It's time to get the new Pixel 4 that's coming out. Um, So Yeah, it doesn't tie you into the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, I think they're both really nice. I know I love my Apple Watch and wouldn't trade it in for a Fitbit. Sounds like, Gabe, you really like your Fitbit? Well, I've been on the fence for literally since the first uh, Apple Watch was released. I was like, all right, I'm getting this. And then I was like, I'll wait for the next one. Second one released. All right, I'm getting this. No, nope. all right, I'm getting this. Put it in my cart on Apple. No, never mind. I've done that with about every Apple Watch that's released. Even just like in the past month, I've thought about buying a Series 3 when they've gone on sale several times. Like, And I just, every time I go to pull the trigger and buy it, I'm just like, I feel like the next generation is going to be better. I feel like, you know, I still would like them to have like three or four day battery life. And then maybe that's when... I consider it. I, you know, I guess. I, I think the big thing with Apple Watch 2 is now you can do an ECG on your wrist. And I believe Fitbit True. is introducing that with some of their higher-end models. Is I'm that... not quite sure. I don't think they have that. As far as is ECG heart rate tracking? Yeah. Or, well, I'm pretty sure they do 
Fitbit does have live heart rate tracking. Well, so that's, it's different. It's like an electrocardiograph. Yeah. So it's like a actual graph and yeah. chart of your heartbeat. So I'm not quite sure if they have that yet with Fitbit, but I wouldn't be surprised if they introduced it in the next models coming out uh, this fall, possibly. And with Apple Watch, you get fall detection. Yeah. And if you can connect it to your phone to make calls, and there have been some really amazing stories of people. Yeah, I think I think what it is basically the breakdown is Look at Apple Watch more like a phone accessory, right? Yeah. As well as a fitness tracker, whereas the Fitbit is more of a fitness tracker that's also kind of an accessory to your phone. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for the, you know, acknowledging me. I feel like you really, you don't. Yeah, you're me you're too a much. valid member of the podcast. Oh wow, it's great to have you here. So many so on many my stuff. show. No. So oh wow, yeah. Um, I yeah, same to you. Same to you. Totally. totally not gonna. Not gonna. Nah, thank you for the thank you for I don't know where this is. It's going. a good question, good debate. Thank you. I get I get a little I get a little you know validation. And all of a sudden I just get so derailed and off track. This just shows where I am in my life. Thank I guess. you for the question. Moving on, uh, oh, Gabe. Wow. Do you want to wow, do you want to do you want to read this one? Uh, no, I I don't want to. I don't like this person already. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and read it. Yeah, no, you go read this one. I read the last one. Okay, uh, this question comes from Brian. Hey, I'm looking for a new pair of wireless headphones. What do you guys think are the best ones? I've been looking at the Bose QC35s. Those are those are good ones. The Sony XM WXM3s and the Beats Studio wireless headphones. Is it worth dropping 350 on headphones, or you know something better out there for less? Um, it's a good question, Brian. It's uh, it's the Beats Studio threes. I think he meant. Yes, yeah, yeah. Beats Studio threes. Um. um yeah, that's that's a very good question. I think that's on a lot of people. That's actually been on our minds a lot too recently. I know because you're looking for a pair of headphones. I, I'm also looking for a pair of headphones. So this question really resonates for me, and I've been watching all the reviews. Um, yeah. And you know, Brian, you definitely picked out some of the best ones. So it's the Sony WH1000XM3s, the Bose QC35s, the Beats Studio Threes, and um, another pair that. Brian, you didn't mention, but is something to consider is actually the Surface headphones. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, we just went up to a Best Buy, actually, or no, the Microsoft Star, sorry, to try those out in person. And that was a fun experience. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, what, what's your take on the headphone space right now? I really, uh, you know, I've never been a fan of Beats. I know they look really good. A lot of people love them. So right off the bat, Brian, if you just want to, you know, are in it for the style kind of and aren't really a huge audiophile, but you know, beats still sound good. I mean, I'll give them that. But if you're really in it for like the looking like you know the NBA player or not the NFL player because they're sponsored by Bose, so you know, always be rocking the Bose. But yeah, like that, you know, if you want to be that hip hop mogul type person, you know, Dre was the first hip hop billionaire. So yeah, go with the Beats. Otherwise, I'd probably look at more of the Sony or the Bose, and then really the pixel let I me mean, not the pixel the surface sorry i i think are probably more for i don't know like i guess if you're a microsoft user yeah um so i guess my take on this the beats again like gabe said kind of a a style statement what's great about them is they have the w1 chip they work great if you're an iphone user um and if you have a mac you'll be easily able to switch between um which Kind of audio or audio source you're using you'll be able to pair with both of them yeah that is pretty nice uh the downside is if you want to control the headphones you have to use the phone or the app 
Um, there's a button in there to turn on the active noise cancellation. I don't believe there's any physical buttons on the headphones themselves. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty sparse as far as physical controls. And um, they're also not very flexible. So like, no, yeah, the the build quality is very plasticky, very stiff. I I would guess, or I would suggest leaning away. From, if you're an iPhone user and you're a Mac user, they could be great with that W1 chip. I would suggest kind of leaning towards the uh, Sony, the Sony headphones, or even the Bose or the Surface headphones. Yeah, I and, personally have actually the QC 35s. Yeah, yeah. What's what's your take on or those, is Gabe? The, is it the 35 twos? I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it might be the. It's the second version of them. I feel like, isn't it? I I feel like because it went 25s and I think oh, yeah. 35s. I think no, that's how they do. I those. don't know. Whatever it is, I have the newest one from Bose. Which have been the newest ones for over a year. I got them last Christmas, uh, twenty seventeen. So there's definitely there's bound to be a new version coming out. I know. I think you're holding off on them until I'm, they get a USB C. Yeah. So my thing with the Bose is they they use USB Type B to charge. Yeah, the, that's the that's micro USB. Micro USB. Excuse me. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. I I refuse to pick up a pair of headphones. If you're okay with that, um, I think the sound quality and comfort is, in my opinion. At least the comfort unparalleled. Yeah, I think the probably comfort-wise, the Sony and the Bose are probably the two most comfortable. Uh, the Surface, I think, probably have the nicest controls. They do. So with the Surface headphones, you get a dial on the side of the ear cup for rotating yeah. to turn up and down the volume. Um, the Surface and the Sony's both share USB Type-C for charging and touch controls on the ear cups. Um, Gabe, how do you feel about touch controls? I feel like they're a lot of times a good idea and they work a lot of times, but you're more likely to have possibly some interference or something introduced, say if you have gloves on or if it's, I, I know there's an error with them being if it's cold outside or something. Yeah, that's with the Sonys. Um, they actually kind of have problems if you're changing, you're going from a cold outdoors to a warmer indoors, yeah. that can cause problems. Um, and if you're living in a location that has those uh, changing temperatures, I would consider shying away from the Sony's and probably going with the Bose or the Surface. And I agree with Gabe, like the touch controls seem nice, but they also seem more like a hassle than they're worth. Like if you're wearing gloves or something, it's you don't get a tactile feedback. Yeah. It can be hard to trigger the right gestures. I like how the Surface have the, you know, the dials on the side to turn. You know, that is, you know, I like it because it's like a slightly bigger controls rather than just like a tiny switch or something. But at the same time, it's not necessarily having to use that touch interface. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I were to buy a pair right now, I would probably, I'd probably go Surface. Yeah. I think I'd, I think, you know, I, I think I'm, I would stick with my QC35s, even if I had to buy, like buying again, you know, trying to, you know, if not just factor in that I have them. Uh, ultimately, I think that it, yeah, three to four hundred is a lot of money for headphones. You know, three fifty are most of what these headphones are. Beats are a little less sometimes. I think, but if you really feel that you use them, you know, most of the time I know when I'm listening to music on the go, it's I'm going to use those headphones. Uh, and so if you do that, if you do a lot of traveling, you know, it's really you can get like easily two to three years of use out of a pair of headphones like these. Uh, even replace the ear cups down the road. So yeah, I think it's worth it. 
it's definitely kind of hard to stomach though sometimes i i would say if you're able to definitely try and go to a best buy store do what we did go to a, a microsoft store and try the headphones on yeah comfort is such a huge component uh when it comes to headphones because you want that listening experience to be as comfortable as possible and if you find like even though the surface headphones are great in my opinion uh they weren't as comfortable as the bose you know, in some instances, comfort may win out over some of the other features. Yeah, I think that it's ultimately you're putting them on your head and usually for like extended periods of time. So if they're going to hurt your ears after like two hours uh, and you take them off, then you're not really using them at that point. Right, right. Yeah. So thank you, Brian, for that question. Hopefully that helps uh, answer it. I think we got time for one more. We'll try to make this one short because we're getting... I don't know. Let us know how long you like these podcasts. We've heard that some people like them longer. Uh, some people like them shorter. But I'd assume if they're too long, you can just put them on 2x times and hear something like this. They're really fast, like a jump, like that. Uh, and if you want them slower, put them on like the one point or the 0.5x so we can talk, talk slowly. slowly. All of a sudden, you have like put it on 0.001x and then you have like a two-day podcast right that's really how you extend the listening I think, enjoyment i don't of the think podcast. you could understand anything whatsoever but all right here we go getting into the last question it actually is from julian uh and he saw one of the videos on my channel on my digital tech reviews and tips it's the video i filmed with the mavic air in australia so this kind of comes through that fantastic video by the way thank you wow just all compliments today i gotta think of some compliments for you before the end of this podcast so all right, getting into the question, he said, I am planning to buy a Mavic Air myself, but I have recently seen many disappointed reviews about people having issues with blurriness and a lack of color and vibrancy. And then he said that watching my video, he was so impressed with the camera quality. In the description, you indicate no added color. Does this mean that there has been no editing done at all? So question mark raw footage, question mark. In this case, he would be very interested, then he says, in buying a Mavic Air for himself. Uh, I kind of was self-editing that uh, his question as I read it because he is from Austria. So there's some, uh, you know, obviously English is a second language. I can't speak Austrian, so props to him for learning to speak English. But yep. yeah, thank you, Julian, for that question. I think that's a big question that I get a lot. You don't put many, I don't any really drone videos up, but you do film drone videos. Yeah, I so I actually had the opportunity to intern with a company, Drone Genuity, for two summers in a row now. And uh, they kind of connect drone pilots with clients looking to have drone footage. And I've actually done a couple of shoots with them. And I think you have too, right? I th I don't know if I've actually done any with them. I don't think it's actually ever worked out. But I've, oh, done, okay. I've done stuff through drone base uh, and through drone IO, I think is the other one. And also uh, like for my own channel. Yeah. So I've done a few like houses and properties and, and getting aerial footage of that. And we're both licensed FAA pilots. So this is all legal now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, this is definitely a great question and it's interesting. You would consider the quality of the video. And I guess that is really important. Something I think about is actually the controls and, you know, something with the Mavic air, despite being amazingly portable and light, um, is it's using Wi-Fi for the controller? Well, I think, I think, I mean, I don't know. I I own all of them, so not, Gabe's, not Gabe's a real put, expert not here. Not to put myself above you in any way, but I'm just gonna say I probably am slightly more qualified for this question. Uh, I would think that it's easy when you're when you're watching videos online. It's hard not to kind of compare the quality and like be like, oh, so this is the quality I'm gonna get. So I often get actually a lot of questions on my my videos because i put up these videos that are filmed and then i don't color correct them at all so i show people 
this is what you can get with you know the Mavic Pro, Spark, etc. Insert drone here. And I really think that people who are wondering, you know, how do you get this, you know, gorgeous footage? A, I usually shoot a ton of footage. So, you know, it might be a three, three, four minute video, but I probably shot upwards of like two hours of footage, you know, and probably did like 15 flights or so. So that's the one thing, you know, if you, if you do one flight, you're not going to get a, and then try to edit like a three minute video, you're not going to get gorgeous footage for all that. There's no way. Uh, maybe if you're filming on like an Elta eight with like a red camera, but most likely not. Yeah. And, and, and even then, a lot of it comes down to the art form of flying, getting those smooth shots, the tilt-ups as you're flying. Um, that's another skill in itself. Yeah, I mean, you, you can talk to that. Like, learning to learning your controls, basically. Like, just as a gamer would learn, all right, this is how I, you know, manipulate the controls to win games. This is how you manipulate the drone controls to, you know, get that perfect shot that you have in your mind, but can make the drone do exactly that. Um, so, so what's your, what's your take on the Mavic Air quality, Gabe? As someone who, who put together a lot of comparison yeah. videos, how do you think it stacks up? I think for its size, you know, and for its price, it's around $800. It can fit literally, you know, like in a backpack on its own with, uh, I mean, with three batteries, a charger in a backpack. Like that's, that's incredible. You can't deny that portability. Quality wise, it's definitely has issues with like dynamic range and stuff like that. But ultimately, like, when you're filming with a drone, it's really about where you're filming, you know, what time of day you're filming, uh, how you're composing your shots. So I think that's really all the, the biggest thing that it comes down to. Yeah, you can fix it in post with some cool editing and stuff. But if you're not choosing cool places to fly and, you know, rather than just going flying in, like, a boring field for all your shots, why don't you, you know, maybe find a cool angle that you can get on a building, you know, without breaking laws or anything, of course, but, you know, or, you know, find, look up where you can find like something interesting visually to fly a drone around. And then I always tell people when you first get a drone, your instinct is going to be to fly super high. And that's probably not the worst thing because that's the safest area for a drone to fly. You know, you're not going to hit stuff, but once you get better with the, those controls, get down lower and closer to the ground and fly like you would fly if you could fly actually like as a person like you'd want to swoop low to the ground close to the water then fly up like kind of through the trees you know that's the interesting shots that we want to see so yeah make the footage look better is by filming in better light filming better subjects and you know filming better uh more interesting shots and you know i guess another question i would have is would you use the mavic air for a professional drone shoot like where where is this is this great for casual flyers just getting into cinematic drone footage is this great yeah. for a youtube channel or is this something you would take to a more professional level i don't think i would take the mavic air to a professional level yeah i think you were leading me a little bit with that question possibly but maybe not you know i mean i have used it i do shoot real estate with a friend in the summer uh and i've used it actually to get one specific shot indoors where my phantom or mavic uh, 2 pro would be too big I grabbed my Mavic Air because I always travel with more than one drone. You know, you never know if you're going to crash one and then have to, you know, don't want to have to drive back and grab another one. So I had my Mavic Air, you know, got it inside and was able to do this nice shot that you would have been only really able to get if you had like a, a crane arm or a boom or something like that. So it's, yeah, I think more for like, you know, vloggers or people getting started on YouTube and want like a little something extra to add to their production quality. Uh, the Mavic 2 Pro or even the Mavic Pro, a little more expensive, but it's a bigger drone about the same quality. The Mavic Pro I found as the uh, Mavic Air and then, of course, the Mavic 2. 
whole nother level of quality there. You get the zoom possibly or the pro with the full one inch sensor. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, I have the Mavic pro the original and, um, I guess if you're going to be filming more professional content, then I would suggest going with the Mavic 2 Pro. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to be more casual, then you're going to be fine with the air. It's going to look great. And just, again, like Gabe, say, Gabe said, practice uh, your flight skills. Go out there when the weather's beautiful and find mm -hmm. interesting locations. And I think you're going to be really happy with the footage. Yeah. And it's ultimately, I know we've, we've said this about editing stuff and other things, but really it's the drone or the camera or the whatever the one that you know the best yeah you could be given a red camera or you know a, a like a inspired 2 drone and you could probably maybe instantly get better footage but if you knew really well how to use a mavic air and you know took the time to put in that pre-production work which i guess we can call it of like looking up a good location figuring out what time the sun was setting from what angle and doing all that work and also practicing your skills then you're going to get a lot better footage uh you know, possibly than even inspire. Absolutely. Yeah. So that wraps up this episode. Yeah. This was the... fun answering all these questions personally. Like it, it, it made it, it was hard kind of, cause I felt like I was obligated to like, you know, give a somewhat of a good answer. Yeah. Of course we want to give great answers. To these I feel questions. like uh, the past three episodes, I've just been bullshitting it. No, <laughs> we just have to now mark our thing as explicit because I I swore right then. Sorry. Right at the very end. Sorry, mom. Uh don't please turn off the podcast in the past about 20 seconds ago. No, yeah, I think yeah, if you have any questions, you know, uh submit them to us. I think we're going to try to do, you know, listener submitted question episodes possibly every like 3 to 4 episodes. So, if they're really urgent, you know, we might tweet you back or reply or email you back or reply right then and there and then also answer them on the episode but yeah hit them up hit us up on uh twitter and instagram also yeah. facebook is a thing uh don't really i guess not really much use there on activity on our facebook page more on the twitter and instagram but you know hey whatever your whatever your platform whatever your pipe to get the question to us get it there also of course email pinch to zoom podcast at gmail.com as well and mail send it with your carrier pigeon uh, strap it to its leg and send it to this. No, <laughs> that would be pretty great too. Uh, that would that'd be alarming. Like, what would we do with that pigeon? Well, you know, they fly back. They fly back. Oh, yeah. that's, that's right. nice or do they? Them. I don't know. Maybe. Next on the episode five, carrier pigeons, the eye pigeon from Apple. <laughs> the new review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Send us your questions, and if you liked this episode of the podcast, share it with one other person you know. Let them know about it, and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, maybe it's that friend who always talks about technology too much and doesn't really know what he's talking about or she's talking about share it with them and maybe it's your aunt who doesn't know anything about technology and she'd be hopelessly lost listening to this podcast and we would appreciate to have them either and, way um, yeah. yeah and we don't have to really say what platforms we're on because you're listening to it so that's all that matters you found it on some platform somewhere on the russian russian dark web you know paying uh I can't think of a Russian name off the top of my head, but you get the idea. Uh, keep an eye out for our Samsung bonus episode coming out this week on Wednesday or Thursday, talking about the Samsung release and all that exciting stuff. You're pretty hyped for that, aren't I'm, you? I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what is actually announced after we've had so many rumors leading up to uh, this like event. Stetson's third Christmas. It's like it is. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. Well, 
I think that's pretty much it, right? That's it. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you on our bonus episode coming out soon. I like my little shopping cart that I have here on the table. That was really a nice addition. Yeah, it really, it really brought the mood. <laughs> to the um, picture that we took before the show. Yeah, see if you can find that on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, they were, this is supposed to be like candid that we're not actually recording. And this is an outro to the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did the other one have an outro? I don't know. Go back and listen to it. <laughs>